I'm Dr. Ben Dale, and I have a fear of retirement. Welcome to episode five. It's been uh, fun doing this and interesting. It's good to talk. Good to get things off my chest. The first episode, of course, we talked about the journey to retirement, how that happens, how it happened for me, could happen differently for a lot of people. In episode two, we talked about the daily routine. I'm happy to report this morning that I uh, got up and got my son Joe ready for school, made his lunch. I'm making his lunch every day. It even has like a like a hot portion, right? Let's say I like a little thermos and I put some SpaghettiOs in there. And then I got the dogs and walked the route to school. He's riding his bike. But I walked the route. Part of it is just checking up on a 10-year-old who's riding a bike to school. And part of it's walking my dogs. And it's when I water the grass too. I turn the water on before I leave, turn on when I get back. Then I came in and... uh, Oh, Joe and I had breakfast this morning. I made him French toast from scratch. And I came in, fed the dogs, got my workout in, played guitar for 30 minutes. Uh, I'm writing three new songs right now. I did my 15 minutes of reading, did 10 minutes of uh, meditation. Haven't written my letter yet today. So I'll do that as soon as we get off here. Got to have a new list. I went through my contacts, got a new list of who I'd like to write. Uh, episode three, we talked about um, we talked about projects and learning. Uh, right now, the project I'm working on, I'm going to go ahead and get my uh, administrative credential here in New Mexico. So I'm looking into if there's a reciprocal agreement with California or not, and taking care of that process. Chi tonight, big Shang-Chi fan. He was my guy, my comic book guy when I was a kid. My cousin Brian and I are big Shang-Chi fans, so I've got the whole run from the 70s. From issue 15, which was the first issue, all the way to the final issue, which I don't know, I think it's like 125 or something. In the episode uh, four, we talked about uh, building your personal brand just building your your retirement brand building your your own personal professional brand in your post productive years right building a new brand for yourself and working on that so today today i want to just talk about the 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 psychosis of the whole thing you know uh, when i first announced my retirement the first thing that I went through was having to defend why I was doing it. Because people would say, are you really retiring? Are you really, are you retiring, retiring? Or are you retiring? And they would do air quotes. And I say, no, I'm really retiring. And they say, nah, you're not retiring. You'll, you'll, you'll do something else. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, yeah, I'm going to do something else. But I know what they meant. They meant I was going to go be a high school principal somewhere or go work in the district office somewhere or 
go work full-time in Long Beach State. People just couldn't believe that I was going to be retired. And I, and, and I don't fault people for that because in their minds, they see um, someone who's in their mid-60s and they're polishing up their golf clubs. Two good friends of mine, Seth and Rob, uh, are just on me all the time about, you're just going to play golf. You're just going to play golf. I think it's partially wishful thinking on their part. They would like for me to take up golf in retirement so they could live vicariously through me. Um, But no, I'm not going to take up golf. It's as fun as it looks. It just looks like a bunch of time. And I've said already on on this podcast that my biggest issue about retirement is time. It is time. You know, I look at myself at 54 and I think, you know, how much longer you got? What is it? Is it 10 years? Is it 15 years? Is it 20? Is it 25? You know what? How long do you want to live? And I guess that's the question I have for you. I don't want to freak anybody out. Start thinking about that all the time like I do. But how, how much longer? And I say out loud that I want to live as long as I'm healthy. I, I don't want to be uh, in a... Can't get out of bed. I've known people like that and people who have parents like that and they're bedridden that sounds awful so um you know I want to be alive as long as I'm healthy which is why I think fitness is such a big part of my approach to life because I I you know uh my friends who are fitness nuts and I have friends that do triathlons and and marathons and and they'll say to me you know, what are you trying to achieve? What's your goal? What's your fitness goal? And I say, well, you, you see fitness as something that's out in front of you, like you're trying to achieve something. I see fitness as something that I'm running from. I'm running from that hooded guy with the scythe, right? When I, when I work out, I'm working out to, to better that guy. When I run, I'm running from that guy. When I hit the heavy bag, I'm hitting the guy with the scythe, you know? So that's my whole mindset is I'm trying, my fitness is defense. (laughs) My fitness is not offense. My fitness is defense. It's hands up, head, head on a swivel fitness. That's my approach. So, you know, when people see retired people, they see a broken down, gray hair, headed to play golf, maybe some bingo. And they, and then they see me and, and, you know, I, I take it as a compliment. They don't see me as that. I have some gray, but my body's not broken down. I'm still relatively spry. And for you West Wing fans, you know, that spry is a word you use as a compliment, but you're describing somebody old. So it's a backhanded compliment, but I am spry for mid fifties, I think. And so people don't believe that I'm getting that I'm retired. So that's the first thing I went through. Are you really retiring, Ben? Really? Or are you, quote unquote, retiring? Which, on the surface, I suppose is a ridiculous question, but I knew what they meant. And so I'd say, no, I'm really retiring. I'm done. And what I meant by that is I won't be a principal again. I really doubt that that would ever happen again. Not in California anyway. 
if I ever do go back to California and work in education, it won't be as a principal. It'll be uh, working on a staff for one of the many VPs and colleagues I mentored over the years who are now at a level where they can hire me. I'll go help them. Goy, a good friend of mine, Goy Casillas, did that for me. I was his vice principal at Redondo Union High School, and then he retired. And then when I became principal at Miracosta High School, I had a VP who went out on maternity leave. I called him up on the phone. He came and worked with me for six months. My former principal came and was a VP for me. He came in and sat down. I said, Goy, I, 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 I need a VP. And he said, okay. And I said, are you uh, comfortable working f- with me or for me? And he goes, yeah. And I said, uh, if, I, if I give you a directive and you disagree, what are you going to do? And he goes, I'm going to shake my head, walk out, and do the right thing. <laughs> I said, all right, fine, Goy. It was wonderful working with him. And Goy and Sue, are very, his wife Sue, are very good friends. We had our admin retreat at their house in Palm Springs. Uh, every year and uh, just a good dear friend so I could do something like that so then we we come to New Mexico and nobody knows me here so then the 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 second phase is people trying to figure out why and I think when you're as young as I am and you say you're retired they think that something's wrong (laughs) like what'd you do I didn't do anything I just was done and my neighbors have all been really great. We, I, have, I live on a great street. They do what's called Thursday night. And on Thursday night, all the people on the streets, about 10 houses on both sides, maybe eight. Everybody brings out lawn chairs. We pick a house and we sit on their porch or in their front yard and we all just sit around and everybody has the beverage of their choice and we just converse. And it's a hot topic like Ben's retired. A lot of the people on my street are retired and in their mid 60s early 70s and they've lived here in Albuquerque for for 30 40 years and they're looking at me like what is going on so that's kind of the second thing you have to go through is what's going on so you you be prepared for that so what I talk about with them is you know I'm just looking to be a productive member of the community I'm looking to volunteer where I'm needed and work where I'm needed so I so the brand that I'm creating in my neighborhood is I am here uh, to pitch in, to help out, to lean in. Um, my neighbor on the left noticed that we didn't bring a lot of furniture. We kept our house in Manhattan Beach and we either left the furniture there or sold it. And we didn't bring much with us. But my neighbor Pete on the left noticed that we were buying furniture and, and it didn't look like, you know, big box stores. And I said, no, we're buying local because we want to keep our money in the community. You should have seen the look on his face. He was like, oh, that's really cool. So when we bought new couches, new tables, new beds, we, we, we kept it right here in the community. Uh, our house is, it's got a, it's very Southwest uh, design. It's on the historical home registry in Albuquerque. Uh, so has a very retro historical Southwest Spanish style design. So we did like a Southwest retro, uh, furniture to complement it. So you can't really get that at Ikea, right? So we're, 
we're going to a lot of antique stores and, and buying furniture at antique stores, which, by the way, is super fun. And uh, the colonel let me do a lot of uh, the interior decorating, which I've never done. It's never been my role in our relationship. And I got to do a lot, if not all of it, here, including the wall hangings. You can't put nails in these walls because they're uh, adobe. So all the nail holes are built in uh, to the stucco. Uh, stucco is not the right word, but the adobe interior. And uh, so you, you got to hang something there. You just got a nail right in the middle of your wall. There's nothing you can do. It's built in. So that was fun. And then, and then there's this third phase. I don't know if it's a phase, but this is what happened. So... Uh, my wife gets invited to a uh, company party and it's out west of town in a there's a vineyard just west of town we go out to this party and we're standing in this circle and I'm used to this I'm used to going to her work parties where I know nobody and we don't drink so if you don't drink and you don't know anybody you really gotta gear up mentally for these parties and uh, we go to this party, and we're standing in a circle of really nice people, and this other couple walks up. And my wife introduces me, and apparently they've worked together a while, and they know each other pretty well. And, and so he feel, apparently he felt this familiarity. So he turns to me uh, when my wife said he's retired, and uh, he's retired. And he turned to me, and here was, here was his question. How does it feel to have lost your significance? My first reaction was, what in the hell kind of question is that? How does it feel to have lost your significance? And of course, being semi-wise-ass, my initial response was, better to have had it and lost it than never to have had it, right? <laughs> and look at him like, you? So I, uh, I tried not to react or pause too long but I said well you just keep moving that's what I said to him you just keep moving which is true uh, I don't sit down a lot during the day part of that's an anxiety I feel like sitting down is uh, I'll never get up again like I'll just sit there until I'm dead so I don't sit down a lot I keep moving so that was my response ah I just keep moving, keep moving during the day. There's plenty to do. I got projects going on. You know, then I said it's a bunch of lame stuff. But let's, let's think about that for a second. This whole notion of when you're retired, you lose your significance. I do think it's true that we marginalize and tend to uh, ignore the elderly. I've noticed that. I notice it more now that I'm getting older, um, which now that I see it on this side, during my final year's year, really, as a high school principal, I noticed that the younger administrators started to listen to me less and less. And I have a colleague who is a veteran, and he said, you know, I see you holding back with them. And I go, well, what do you mean? He said, I've seen opportunities you have to give them advice or counsel, and you don't. 
And it's a shame because they don't know what they're missing. And it's a, it's a little bit of a shame on you because you have so much to offer. I think that's the lesson for all of us is what the veterans of this world, and I don't mean that in the military sense, I mean that as, you know, old people, right, veterans, what the veterans of life have to offer. And I think of it in terms of my own kids, first of all, what I have to offer them in terms of uh, teaching them and dispensing some wisdom that maybe they'll remember. I tell this story a lot. Um, I'd like to tell it here. When I was becoming a father, uh, my father uh, sat me down. Sat me down metaphorically. I don't know. I think we were in the car, and he said, uh, "You know, there's certain things you got to teach your kids. The first of which is you got to teach them how to chew seeds. And I don't mean one at a time. I mean stick a whole handful in your mouth, put it on one cheek." Get one, bite it, dig out the seed, spit the shell out, eat the seed with all the other seeds still in your mouth and just shell them one at a time in your mouth. You got to teach your kids how to do that. Number two, you got to teach your kids how to whistle. Um, That's just important, which is some country stuff right there. I mean, let's admit it. My dad was pretty country. Number three, You got to teach them how to throw a ball. They don't have to be athletes, but every person in their life, everybody in their life, at some point will get asked to throw a ball with other people watching. So it's important in that moment that you don't look like an idiot. So teach them how to throw a ball. And then the last one is you got to teach them how to ride a bike. And when you teach your kid how to ride a bike, set them on the bike, grab the seat with one hand, steady the bike, have them climb on, and then start to walk and push and have them start pedaling. And then go a little faster and a little faster and a little faster until you're jogging along with them. And then tell them this. Tell them, okay, I'm going to let go. And when I let go, keep your eyes up and don't stop pedaling. Those are the two things. Keep your eyes up and out in front of you. Eyes up and out in front of you and don't stop pedaling. And that was the it. That was it. And the more I think about that, the more I think my dad was trying to tell me something bigger. Because when you're riding a bike and you keep your eyes up, it helps you maintain balance. And when you start looking at the ground in front of you and your perspective is limited, you start to lose balance on a bike. I think that's good life advice, to keep your eyes up on the horizon. Keeping your eyes up on the horizon, you have more of a perspective. You can see more things. And things that seem big are smaller. Think about being in an airplane and looking out the window and how small things look on the ground. The more perspective you have, the more of the horizon you can see, the smaller that seemingly big problems will seem and then also keep pedaling it's really true when you ride a bike as long as you're pedaling you're not falling over if you stop pedaling especially if you're not going fast you're gonna fall yeah 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 you guys 
I see people at stop signs and they have that great balance and they're doing that thing with their hand. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about it. Uh, I'm talking about a six-year-old that's trying to ride a bike. As long as they pedal, they're not going to fall over. Which again, as long as you're moving forward in your life, you're not going to fall over. You're going to stumble less. You might stumble, but if you keep pedaling and keep moving forward, you can't fall down on your face. And I think that's what my dad in his own way was really trying to tell me. Keep your eyes up on the horizon. Get a broad perspective. Make big problems smaller. And then don't stop pedaling. And even in retirement, I'm trying to live that life. I keep my eyes up and I don't stop pedaling. I'm Dr. Bendale, and I have a fear of retirement.